Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this, this prayer of Paul uh, as he prayed for the Ephesians back then, and also he prayed for us. But more importantly, you hear our prayers as we pray these things. We ask, O oh Lord, for the work of your Spirit today to enlighten us, to enable us to receive these words as they're intended to be life, as they're intended to be our food and drink, more desirable than gold, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. By them your servant in is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. So, Lord, we pray that you would enable us, O Lord, to hear and receive, uh, that we would be able to feed upon this nourishment and be strengthened and equipped to do your will, to honor our Father who art in heaven, to honor our, our Lord Jesus Christ, to honor the Holy Spirit, to honor one another, especially enable us to honor our Father's and mothers on the earth as well. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, um, I've been thinking about different ways of starting this sermon, and about, in particular, this day, Father's Day. As some of you know, maybe you all know, uh, last year we went, my wife and I went to uh, Southern California, and I performed a wedding for a couple, Isaac and Ellie, uh, well, Ellie is, was pregnant, and last, was it Sunday? Last Sunday, she gave birth to little Evangeline. But the problem was, while she was giving birth, the uh, cord prolapsed, if you know what that means, cut off the oxygen to her brain. They had to do an emergency C-section. They got the baby out, but they w were concerned that there's no brain activity. They did an MRI, not really sure. Uh, it wasn't a good one. They're going to do another. Uh, please pray for Isaac and Ellie as they struggle with what to do in dealing with this child, this, their first child. And as I'm thinking about that, Isaac desires to be a father. Right? He is a father, but he desires to be a father. He pray, He's praying fervently that God will grant this young daughter of his the ability to recover from that traumatic experience so that he may be able to be a father. As I think about that particular situation, I, I was reminded of another situation that I experienced about 40 years ago. Uh, my wife and I were at a abortion clinic, and we were outside, and we were talking uh, to people and trying to dissuade young girls or women from getting an abortion. And this one couple walked up to the abortion clinic to do an abortion, and I tried to talk to them, tried to talk them out of it. Uh, the boyfriend, husband, whatever he was, the father of the child in the woman's womb, got very angry at me and threatened my life and marched his the woman into the abortion clinic and then came out looking to do me bodily harm. Fortunately, the people I were with said, I think you need to walk away right now because this person is threatening your life. And so I did walk away. Think about it. What I was doing to him was, okay, you fathered this child, now be a father to this child. And he didn't want to. 
So here we have two men. Both had children. One wants to be a father. The other did not want to be a father to the child that he fathered. So Father's Day. There's, there is a difference. The question is, for you fathers, and this, to a large degree, this message is for you and me, is are we willing to take on that responsibility as fathers to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? So with that in mind, if you notice the bulletin insert or the outline, we confess that we believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth. You just confessed that earlier. Thus, all creation is identified as relating to the heavenly Father. So you get that. We all are related to God in that sense. All of creation, the trees, the sun, everything was created by God. And so he is the provider, the creator, the sustainer, and so on. He has given us the blessings of earthly fathers as well as part of his gift of creation. Do you know and appreciate the great gift that our heavenly father has given to you through your earthly father? Do you? Do you appreciate your father? How can you communicate that thankfulness to him, to God, the Father Almighty, and to them? That's basically the call of the message today. And if you notice in the bulletin, we're going to be looking at it in three perspectives, an upward look, looking to God, an inward look, and then an outward look. So let's, just, let's enter into this passage. If you notice verse 14 in our text, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What reason? In other words, Paul is saying, because of the things that I've said before, for this reason, I pray to God, the Father. So one of the problems that we have when we jump into the middle of a text like this is we miss the context. So the context is, is uh, if you want to summarize chapters 1, 2, and 3 up to this point, in one word, it would be grace grace of God. In chapter 1, we see the blessings of redemption in Christ. He speaks of election and predestination and redemption and inheritance. We see the triune God declared in chapter 1. He reveals the mystery of his grace to us. And then he goes and prays for further enlightenment, for the glory of Christ. That's chapter 1. Chapter 2, he takes a moment and backs up and looks at total depravity, kind of like what we did just a few minutes ago. He talks about the idea of being dead in trespasses and sins. He looks back at the redemption that is accomplished by Christ. And one of the great statements in the Bible is, but God, right? In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, with which his great love with which he loved us, while we were yet dead in trespasses, he made us alive. By grace you are saved. 
And then he goes on to talk about Christ as our peace in verses 14 through 18, and Christ as the foundation of the family or of the church. And so uh, he spends time talking, in particular focusing on the work of Christ. And now we are in chapter 3, and uh, he is focusing on, if you remember what we read this morning, his calling to make known the gospel of grace to the Gentiles, to us. And now, he, if you notice in verse 1, he says, For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, and then again in now in our verse, For this reason, I bow my knee. So he says, For this reason, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ for the gospel for you. I'm in prison in Rome for you, and I pray for you. I pray to God for you. But notice in our text, who does he pray to? For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And so that first point the identity of the Father stabilizes us. Paul, in this passage, is playing with a couple words that don't come through in the English, but it does in the Greek. Basically, he says, the Father makes the family. Verse 14. I bow my knee to the patera, the father, from whom the whole patria in heaven and earth is named. So he's saying, the father names us. The father, like Adam, identifies us as his children, as the family of God. Our identity is in the father. And so the catechism talks about that, doesn't it? I'm a child of God. God is my father through Jesus Christ. That's my identity. That's who I am. He is my heavenly father. He is the one who creates the family. When was the first family created? Back in Genesis chapter 2, right? God created Adam, and then he created Eve, and he brought them together, and he formed and created the first family there. God established family and has continued to do so. He's the creator of the family. Secondly, he's the Lord of the family. Notice again in verse 15, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. He actively identifies with the family. And also, notice the family's identity is with him. Again, who are you? I'm a child of God. God is my father. Is there any greater identity than that? But the amazing thing is, is that he identifies with us. He chooses to adopt us into his family, the family of God. What is eternal life? 
Jesus says it's knowing God, the Father, through Jesus Christ. It's eternal life now. It's that identity. And so Paul is praying to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, what was the mission of Christ? Why did he come to earth? Well, we say he died for our sins and all that's true. But what does Jesus say when he prayed that great prayer recorded in John chapter 17? He prays to the Father, and in verse 6 he says to the Father, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. And so Jesus, praying to the Father, says, I've accomplished the mission. I have revealed you to them. Jesus came to reveal the Father. Here in our text, we we find Paul following in Jesus' footsteps, if you will, in revealing God as Father. Is that important? Is it important that Jesus and Paul revealed God not simply as God Almighty, but as Father? Is that important? What does it say about that relationship that we have with him? Well, being, being that he's Father, it's the most intimate level of our experience in Christ, isn't it? I got in trouble years ago when I translated at a church the word Abba, Father, that Paul uses in saying that literally it means Daddy. And I had an elder walk up to me after the church service and said, I'm offended that God is Father. He's not my Daddy. Oh, really? Well, then Paul says Abba. Father, we have the spirit whereby we cry to God, Daddy. If you're offended by that, come and see me. We'll talk about it. But isn't that the greatest privilege that we have? That we can go to the King of Kings, to the creator of everything, who sustains everything, who loves us from eternity, and say, Father, my Father, our Father. It is our identity. It is our security is found in the Father. Paul thinks that this is so important that in every letter of his, he speaks about God as Father. You go to any letter in the New Testament that Paul wrote, he declares God as our Father. Because it was significant to him, I hope it is to us. I hope that we are not jaded by familiarity. What do they say? Familiarity breeds contempt. Is it so familiar that we don't realize and appreciate that God has chosen to be called our Father? In Ephesians, it's so important to him in this letter that he mentions it in every chapter, including what's before us. 
So what about human fathers? Human fathers, are uh, one of the purposes to do so is to emulate or point to the Heavenly Father. Is that important for us to honor our father and our mother? Is that in the Bible? Can I make that up? Honor your father and your mother. This is, what, it, what is it? This is the first commandment with what? A promise that you will live long in the land which the Lord your God gives. What's happening in our culture today? Is there a war on the Father? As I think about when I was growing up, when I was a kid, uh, in the 60s, one of the most popular TV shows at the time was Father Knows Best. Would that pass muster today? Would you see that on any TV show today? What is Father presented today in the media The father is a fool, a drunkard, a loser, an idiot at best. Is that what we see in our culture? Or not there, non-existent. Has there been a war on the father, a war on the family? Are there families without a father? And is there problems that arise because the fathers are not there? Is there a war on husbands? Is there a war on authority, the responsibility that is given to fathers and mothers? Do we live in an age of antichrist? Do we? John says in 1 John 2, 22 and 23, that Antichrist denies the Father and the Son. In our society today, our Father's denied. I actually read something this morning that said they want to eliminate the word Father altogether from this day. I was like, I can't believe this. There is a war going on to destroy the Father, the family, and the two are connected. May God deliver us from the judgment we see in this country. God established the role and calling of Father. Fathers are called to image the Heavenly Father. Is that an easy thing to do? Can you do so, brothers, fathers, in yourself? The answer is no. Calvin says it this way, talking about honoring of a father. He's actually talking about dealing with the passage where we are told not to call anyone father. He says, Father, uh, falsely ascribed to men when it obscures the glory of God and when they obscure it. So what is he saying? He's saying, fathers, you're called to reflect God the Father. That's your calling. Yes, it's an impossible task. But can God do it? The impossible. Can God be reflected in you? If you let him, if you bow to him. By your life, 
fathers, and by your actions, you are, are, are you obscuring the glory of God or clearly reflecting that glory? Do your children see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven? Do others see the Father through us? Hard, it's a hard statement, isn't it? It's hard. Oh, man. When I look at myself, I go, boy, God have mercy on my soul. This is our calling, brothers. This is what discipleship is all about. This is what is meant by teaching your children. When you sit down in your house, walk by the way, lie down, rise up. Deuteronomy 6, 7. And so, self-examination, brothers. Do I reveal the Father or do I obscure his image? How do we do that? What are ways that I do so? What about being harsh? taskmaster, or being passive, or being invisible. Are any of those apply? On the other side, loving and kind. Respected because you, you make it easy for them to respect you. Colossians 3.20 Paul writes, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Brothers, we are called, we who are fathers, are called to reflect Jesus Christ and as Jesus reflected the Father. What did Jesus say? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's our calling, brothers. Secondly, well, what do I do? <laughs> I can't do this in my, on my own. Well, what does Paul do? What are we looking at in this text? Paul is praying. He says, for this reason I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's actually been describing himself in language of a father to the believer, and he gets on his knees and he prays to God the Father, and he prays, that the Father would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ. So what's his solution to us? What does he give to us? He prays for us, what? That we would know Jesus. That we would know the love of God. That we would understand and embrace what we are in Christ. He is the one who provides for us. Just as Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, who is it the, the prayer to? Our Heavenly Father. So we need God's grace. We need the Father's provision. So what are the things that we need, according to this text? We need to be strengthened with power and might by his Spirit in the inner man, right? Who gets the glory if we're relying on the Spirit of God? The Spirit, right? It's not that I'm a great dad. It's that God is a great God, and he empowers me to do what I'm supposed to do. 
And also, I confess my sin and failures, that humility. That Christ would dwell in our hearts by faith. So that they, that we all would be able to apprehend, seize, or understand with all the saints the love of Christ. Father, do you want your children to know Jesus? Do you want your children to know the love of Jesus? It starts with you. Do you know the love of Jesus? Notice he goes on to say that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith and that we may know Christ's love which goes beyond knowledge. Is he able to do it? Is he able to give us what we need? Is God able? Well, according to verse 20, now to him who is able to do, I don't know if you noticed that, to do exceedingly, abundantly, above. Is there any other words he could have added? God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. I think he's running out of words to be able to describe the power of God, the ability of God. He can do it. God does not lack the ability to answer prayer. And so what has he called us to do as fathers? To pray. You pray for your children. Pray for your grandchildren. You pray for one another, for your wife, for your, uh, for your family. We are called to exercise authority because we have authority over us, but we're also called to provide for them. The best way is by prayer, I think. At least that's what Paul is doing here in our text, isn't he? So how do we do so? How do we image God the Father? Provide for our family, pray for our family as priests, if you will, intercede. Intercession is our calling. How about praying this prayer? Is this a good prayer to pray? You pray for your children, for your wife, that they would be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Is that a good prayer to pray for James? And I could start picking on people. Matthew, is that a good prayer, that he would be strengthened with might in the inner man? Is that a good prayer? Pray for David. He needs it. Remember, our authority, brothers, is a delegated authority. God is the ultimate father of the family, but he's chosen to use us as his instruments through his word and spirit. Is that a great privilege? Yes. Great responsibility? Yes. I almost want to do the Spider-Man thing, right? With great responsibility. Was it great powers come great responsibility? Right? But is God able to do it? Yes. So what is the goal? Third point. Hang in there. We're almost there. What's the goal? The goal is the kingdom of God. Notice in verse verse 21. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen.
Every family in heaven and upon earth is named. What is the purpose of everything that goes on in your life, in this world? What is the goal that God has for this universe? God created it. What's its purpose? For his glory. But his glory, according to Paul, is revealed in the church. So in a sense, he says, everything that exists in the universe is for the church, the bride of Christ, his body, you and I. The reason the sun rises in the morning and sets in the evening is because God's glory revealed in the church. Does that blow your mind? The family founded on the Father. It ends with the glory in the church throughout every generation forever and ever. In the Old Testament, God was referred to as uh, the relationship of God and Israel was, I am your God and you are my people. In the New Testament, that's transformed into, I am your Father and you are my sons and daughters, says the Lord. an amazing transformation? Not just simply you're just a nation. No, you're my family. I'm your father. And that goes on generation after generation. This intimate connection of the church with the Father, and in a sense, with all the families. And so we find our identity, our provision, and the glory in God the Father Almighty. We have a goal, we have a purpose to glorify our Father who art in heaven. May God grant us the ability to do so. So kids... I've been hammering on your dad in this sermon. I'm going to pick on you a little bit, John, if that's okay. What are you called to do? No, it's not okay. Well, we can talk later. What are we called to do, kids, in this text? Honor your father, your mother. How do you do that? Obey. How about, first of all, respect them? I'm thinking about teenagers. Sometimes it's hard, isn't it, to respect your father or your mother because they don't know, they're not as smart as you are. You heard of Sam, uh, Mark Twain, right? The story of Mark Twain? Mark Twain left his home when he was 14 years old And when he left, he thought his dad was the dumbest man on the earth. He came back six years later and was amazed at how much his dad learned during the time he was away. How can we honor our father? Well, one way you can do it, do you you ever pray for your father? Do you ever pray for your father? you pray for your mother? Do you? They need it. Do you listen, like you said earlier, listen to obey? Right. 
When you honor your father, do you honor God, our father? If you say, I love Jesus, then I love the father. And if I love the father, then I'm called to love my father, my mother. So this is a day we celebrate fathers. Fathers can be and are a stabilizing identity for us, provider, and a visionary. We are called as fathers, earthly fathers. We have a great and high calling as image bearers of the Father. May God grant us the grace to be able to do what he's called us to do. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. Father in heaven, we thank you that we can call you Father, that through the Lord Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son, you enabled us, you called us from eternity, you applied, you provided salvation and adoption through Jesus Christ and application by the Holy Spirit. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would enable us to honor our Father in heaven and honor those in authority over us, whether they be biological fathers, adopted fathers, or even other areas of responsibility. We think of um, kings and we think of employers and different other people that are functioning with authority given by you. Help us, Lord to do so, to be honorable, to make it easy for our kids to honor us, but also, Lord, help us to honor those in authority over us. Grant us the grace to do so, for in doing so, we honor you. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.